0: with us Professor Arvind Panagaria who teaches at Columbia University. He is an expert on Indian economy as well as international trade. Welcome to Reason, the new Indians platform where we get to the reason of the issues that concern you. Welcome sir. Thank you Arvind. So it's a pleasure. Let me begin with the most obvious question right now we are seeing a flux in the world there is an ongoing war in ukraine and it has had massive impact on the global economy can you explain it for our audience what impact has it had on india as well as the rest of it
1: the big impact on india of course is coming through the prices uh and so we are seeing the oil prices uh, uh really Hike uh, in in a major way. Uh, There's been also impact on some of the cereal spices, particularly wheat and rice. Uh, So that also impacts us. Uh, So that's the main, and it then goes on to feed into inflation all around. So we see the inflation elevated virtually in every single country. Uh, India is no exception. Uh, So so that's the major kind of uh, um, transmission uh, of the uh, war uh, into the economy. Hmm. We can talk about details as we go. Yes.
0: So this inflation, which is uh, actually adding to the domestic inflation in India, which was there already. Uh, In fact, because of the coronavirus pandemic, there was a major uh, downward trend in global economy. Do you think that this inflation uh, can be controlled in India or in the rest of the world?
1: even as the war is going on. So, now let's look at a little bit of the origins of this inflation. Um, so certainly, almost every country uh, expanded money supply during Covid. Yes. Uh, and we did too, there's no doubt. Uh, and so some of the impact, uh, as you just said, is domestic as well, I mean, some of the source of this is domestic as well. Um, but unlike other countries, particularly countries in Europe and countries in the United States, Uh, we did not do uh, very large kind of uh, uh, income transfers, cash transfers. Uh, What we did was to restrict uh, our um, uh, social expenditures to providing um, subsidized or almost free food, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, wheat and rice, uh, uh, to the poor. Uh, And in terms of the cash transfers, we were relatively restrained. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got a lot of criticism for that uh, in those days. Uh, uh, when the pandemic was uh, raging, um, but uh, obviously the government felt it was on firm ground, and so it uh, did not uh, uh, respond to those criticisms. But rightly so, in my view, I think you know I was probably the only economist uh, 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 endorsing uh, what the government was doing in, at that time. I think subsequently, of course, many people have come <laughs> to yes. endorse it. Um, but uh, uh, that, I think, turned out to be a uh, very important uh, uh, contributor to restrained inflation. I think inflation did rise. So what you're
0: saying is that India is relatively better off in terms of inflation uh, vis-a-vis the rest of the world. There is
1: no doubt on that one because, you know, uh, one way to look at it is that in the United States, the inflation target is 2%. Hmm. And currently, at least the monthly inflation in the month of June, uh, 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 that went up to 9 percent yes so that, that is it, huge for it it a huge gap yes. right uh, yeah. towards two percent target versus nine uh, yeah. percent uh we are currently running at seven percent our kind of target uh, one point target is four percent but we allow a band of plus minus two percent so up to six percent uh, we have the tolerance level so compared to the tolerance level we are only one percent uh, uh, above it um, uh, so it, it is elevated no question and it is a mental concern. Uh, but I think, you know, in relative terms, we are way kind of uh, uh, in, in a better spot. And, and and I suspect, I sort of believe the analysis that the governor of the Reserve Bank of India has given, uh, which leads you to conclude that uh, inflation should uh, ease up in the second half of the current fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know. Even some immediate relief shouldn't be coming in because, you know, some of the vegetable uh, crops, uh, uh, fruits and vegetable crops will be coming in and uh, uh, fruits and vegetables, particularly tomatoes, have been an important source of uh, the elevated inflation. So we should get some help. Uh, And monsoon seems to be, uh, actually, again, uh, quite good this year. So far, it looks like that. There's
0: a lot of talk about the U.S. sanctions on Russia because of the ongoing war. Are these sanctions also uh, having any impact on countries like
1: India? The impact is coming indirectly, but certainly coming, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, it is the result of the sanctions that the oil prices have really uh, spiked Mm -hmm. uh, in a big way. Uh, Similarly, I think, you know, uh, uh, whether it's sanctions or the war, certainly it's, it's coming from there, the impact on the prices of cereals, in particular wheat, Um, uh, So, uh, most certainly, you know, we are impacted uh, and- and But is it
0: a huge impact for India or is it marginal which we can absorb, which we can recover
1: easily? We will certainly absorb and we will recover, uh, but uh, certainly there is a cost to it because, you know, we are very large importer of oil. Oil. So, our import bill has uh, risen and is uh, likely to have an impact on the current account. Uh, it, uh, uh, to some degree, we are also helped by the fact that uh, we are exporters of uh, uh, petroleum products. Yes. Uh, and, and so, those petroleum product prices have also risen simultaneously. So, uh, 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 I mean, if there's some redistribution, of course, you know, because uh, hmm. uh, for the consumers, it still means high price. Uh, but for the country as a whole, you know, higher export prices are good for us as well. So, some of it, uh, it, it gets pushed that way. I um, will uh, certainly, you know, uh, we have dealt with these high oil prices before, before. Uh, and, and I think you know, we we'll deal with them as well now. Uh, some impact also is acting on the exchange rate, but that is also coming from another source, which is the hike in the interest rates. That are. So that's another, actually, you know, uh, channel through which we are getting infected, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, uh, it was the combined effect of COVID and the sanctions around, or the uh, the war. The war uh, that finally, we are seeing uh, the very high inflation in the United States. Exactly which then leads it to clamp down on the interest rates and those interest mm-hmm. rates are being hiked up. Mm-hmm. Not clamped down, but you know they're raising the interest rates to mm-hmm. fight inflation. Mm-hmm. But that rise in the interest rates means that a lot of the capital uh, investments that are in India are now returning to seek these high interest rates back in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, of course, puts pressure on our exchange rate, our current account um, uh, balance and so forth.
0: But while the oil prices remain high, and our uh, you know, inflation is also high. What is the status of our current account you know, deficit? And how can we actually minimize that? How can we, uh, have, what would be the ideal current account deficit for India? So,
1: you know, our central bank, uh, quite rightly I would say, I'm, I'm in agreement, tries to keep the current account uh, deficit you know, about 2% of the GDP. Mm. Uh, we might exceed uh, that a bit, uh, maybe go closer to 3%. We uh, the to wait and see. The way to deal with it largely uh, is, is through the exchange rate. Uh, what you do is you let the rupee depreciate, uh, and as the rupee depreciates, uh, uh, your exports become more attractive to the foreigners uh, because they look cheaper to, to them. Uh, uh, and uh, likewise, what we import from abroad. Uh, Becomes a bit more expensive, Mm -hmm. so we import less. Uh, So both, you know, uh, the exchange rate helps on both fronts. uh, uh, Exports uh, 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 would rise and imports would decline, so that we bridge the gap.
0: But how how do we actually uh, improve our export competitiveness? Are there any ways which we haven't been paying attention to uh, in the last you know few decades? where we could have grown our exports but we haven't. What are those areas and where where can we fix those gaps?
1: So so that's a sort of very broad question, you know, we call it and it's it's work in progress kind of thing. Uh, um, and and the, one of the very uh, uh, points uh, at, at, at which some fixation can be done is the exchange rate as we just discussed. Um, uh, you know, over the years, uh, I think we have let the rupee kind of appreciate in real terms. Mm. Even if, you know, in nominal terms, there is some depreciation because uh, uh, of, of our higher inflation over, over the years, uh, you know, mm. after all, in the US and uh, Europe, this high inflation is a very recent phenomenon. If you go back, you know, in the last seven to eight years, maybe 10 12 years, um, uh, even some parts of the UK years, uh, our inflation was significantly higher in yes. you know, the last three or four years of EPA, uh, very high inflation almost, double-digit. Uh, uh, and at the time, so the rupee in real terms got appreciated, mm-hmm. which of course uh, is not so good for the exports. Mm-hmm. So that's one factor, clearly. The other also is that, you know, uh, I think here we uh, uh, have, uh, um, for some reason, uh, returned to a bit of this import substitution, uh, and market, if you do import substitution in one or two sectors, it's okay. But if you really start going into large number of sectors, that is going to have an impact on exports. There is no way getting around it. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you basically are, are saying that, look, you know, all, all these products I'm importing, I'm going to just uh, raise my tariff barriers, import less of these, uh, uh, raise the prices, uh, and produce these products domestically. Yeah. Right? Then the resources are going to flow out of something. And mm-hmm. particularly capital is scarce, it's, uh, it's it's very limited in a country like India. Mm-hmm. Labour perhaps we are more plentiful. But certainly capital is scarce and that capital is, will come from somewhere. And yeah. so that somewhere is the export sectors. Yes. Uh, so that's one way that you immediately kind of import, import, impact the exports negatively. Mm-hmm. In addition, when prices uh, of these uh, import companies inputs rise, yeah. right? well we are going to substitute into other products as consumers Mm. you know we'll buy less of these products which are uh, the imported products or import competing products Mm. uh, and we'll shift more into something else there's something else again is exports yeah we consume more of the exportable products less is left for exporting. so i think this uh, shift in the policy Towards import substitution in a big way is also having an adverse impact uh, uh, on uh, uh, our export performance. Yeah. And yes. uh, uh, you you had uh, studied probably international trade With the, you, of course. <laughs>
0: of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something we call this yes. called the Learner symmetry theorem. Yes. It says that look, you know an import, uh, if if you if, impose a ten percent across the board import tariff,
0: hmm.
1: its impact is going to be exactly like that of. 10% export tax. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, an import tariff really is like an export tax mm-hmm. and so that too is, 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 is in the way. And then there are of course other broader policy issues, domestic policy reforms, related to labor, uh, uh, infrastructure, land uh, mm-hmm. prices, etc., mm-hmm. uh, which is a, which are all part of the ongoing work uh, on our
0: exports. We faced a lot of flack on uh, first, uh, you know, announcing that we were exporting wheat uh, because of the uh, crisis developed due to the ongoing war. And then we actually banned the wheat exports. Uh, why did, why, why, uh, why do you think we did that? And was it the right move to ban The
1: export of wheat? So, first, you know, uh, why we did that, I think, you know, in any democracy, uh, there is always advice in favor of uh, doing things for your own people first. And if the government kind of sees that, you know, these wheat exports, uh, uh, elevated wheat exports, are really raising the prices in the domestic market for my consumers, Mm -hmm. uh, governments do that. I think, you know, the main. We have seen, you know, during um, pandemic, for example, the United States banned the exports of uh, uh, the the, the imports that go into making vaccines and, yes. and all, you know, yes. because they wanted to keep those for their own domestic population. Vaccines were also, you know, reserved for the American uh, citizens only, American population largely. So I think this is a common phenomenon. Uh, ultimately, you can't. Uh, um, in, in a democracy, the governments have to respond to the, to the demands and the needs of the people at home. So that's the so one. Now, was it the right thing to do? Personally, as an economist, I would have chosen actually an export tax. I think complete ban is a blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, one can, you know, the export tax allows some exports to happen. It also allows the exporters to, um, uh, allows you to bring the prices kind of down a bit for the domestic consumers. Uh, uh, and, and, and you can calibrate it, you mm. know, so, so how much you want to allow, how much you don't want to allow, that can be calibrated through the level at which you impose the tax. Mm. So that's a little better instrument rather than a complete ban, which, which tends to be very blunt.
0: You know, during the coronavirus pandemic, the US and many other countries, as you rightly pointed out, have printed a lot of money and that is why we are seeing, you know, inflation and we are seeing of that policy uh, unfolding in front of us. Now the question is that when the U.S. does it, it has impact on the in, on the entire world, as you explained to our audience just now. Uh, is there a change in th- in that thinking in the U.S.? Uh, do you see that uh, the rest of the world is also following a different uh, path now, and? how are all the countries including the u.s now uh, countering the effects of that policy
1: now of course this is a criticism that's coming uh, 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 on a daily basis of the fed reserve that it was very far behind the curve uh, in in seeing the impact of its actions you know it kept expanding money supply when it was very clear that uh, 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 this, this this was beginning to Basically, lead to inflation now, uh, and and uh, it, it, many people actually had raised their voices. Uh, uh, but, but The Fed actually was, was much slower to react, uh, and so you know, and then this monetary expansion had been quite massive. To some degree, I think you know this is like fighting yesterday's war. Well, meaning, you know, after the after the uh, uh, global financial crisis in 2008. Yes. The Fed had been able to expand money supply for a long yeah. time and it was trying to see the inflation to happen, it wasn't happening, the, mm. it didn't happen. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and I think uh, uh, that is the experience on which it built, but of course this time uh, okay. it, it also got compounded So what one. was the
0: difference that it didn't build up at that point of time in 2008 subprime crisis, uh, which led to yeah. the subprime crisis? that it didn't build up at that time, but this time it
1: built up. I think there are two differences. One was that simultaneously, the fiscal was also uh, expanding very rapidly this time. And that's a sort of, you know, what some people call high velocity money because you're giving cash directly to people. People would spend. Hmm. And as soon as Covid gave a window, as soon as also the supply chains were restored, meaning domestic, Delivery supply chains, meaning you know a lot of these uh, Amazon etc. They began to deliver products. Uh, yes. Stores began to deliver products. Uh, imports began to come in uh, 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 through the um, ports and so forth. Demand really picked up very quickly, uh, and and there was a mismatch also. Of course, in the products people wanted were not there and mm. so forth. So, uh, uh, th- this this expansion. Uh, uh also uh, uh through fiscal means meaning these cash transfers which were massive in trillions of dollars hmm. Right? Hmm. so it, it, and what had happened during the covid was that people were not spending even their own incomes yeah. let alone what they received in cash transfers yes and then when they began to spend all of it actually you know so some sa- savings had gone up massively in in a couple of trillion dollars or more during covid when they were not able to spend and then these savings began to unwind. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that was one thing which was, was different. The other thing also that added ultimately was the war. Yes. Uh, 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 and, and that particularly through food prices, um, uh, uh, inflation uh, also had a cost portion of impact. War,
0: so of course, it adds uh, a different factor because the oil prices yes. are also going over the Yeah. Now a lot of people are also talking about de-dollarization, especially with sanctions in place. Uh, people at different countries are looking at different routes of, you know, international trade. Uh, I mean, India-India Russia trade has been going on, even as there is some impact. For example, in the diamond industry in Gujarat, has had an impact. But uh, tell me whether this de-dollarization. Uh, and if other countries are going to move towards their own currency uh, as the uh, tool to international trade, uh, is then dollar becoming less significant, less powerful, because the idea is that dollar is the most powerful currency in the world.
1: You know, on the margin, some efforts are being made. We have also tried to, you know, the Bank of India is is working to open some sort of rupee window uh, and so, you know, the trade would be denominated in rupees and then paid for and uh, uh, so forth in, in the rupee. Some of it is happening uh, on margins, you know, Russia and China have been also doing something similar uh, uh, in ruble or in renminbi um, and so forth, uh, but by and large, you know, I. Don't think there's uh, going to this dollar de-dollarization. This de-dollarization is going to happen so massively uh, at the end of the day. Uh, you know, uh, most transactions are denominated in the dollar, and that will sort of continue. Personally, I don't think that this is where the problem really lies. A lot of the people have uh, kind of concluded from the fact of sanctions on Russia that this has something to do with dollar as being the the currency of exchange, mm. uh, now some of it probably is true and also particularly when we talk about SWIFT, uh, access yes. to SWIFT being discontinued, uh, you do uh, then look for alternative means of payments, you know, mm. how, how else could I arrange my payments uh, so that I and do not become hostage to the SWIFT system. Uh, But, but, you know, uh, the the ability of the United States to do this to Russia really stems more from its size, economic size is is, is so large, Uh, so the US really can do it, Uh, to to kind of dramatize what I am saying, think about, you know, suppose something happens, uh, uh, China does something uh, similar to what Russia did, Uh, um, will the United States be able to really takes similar kinds of actions against China. And that is not so straightforward. You know, take for example, China has probably two to $3 trillion of foreign exchange, which is, you know, mostly in treasury bills in the United States. Uh, Now, in the Russian case, the United States was able to freeze the Russian assets. Uh, Will the United States be able to do this uh, to China, right? I mean, as far as dollar is concerned, the issue is the same. Yes. Russian uh, 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 reserves are in dollars, Chinese reserves are in dollars. Uh, Everybody's but, reserves are in dollars. Dollars, ours, India's yes. too, yeah. Uh, but will the United States be able to do this to China? And I suspect that that's not going to be so easy because there is a very large volume, probably almost twice of the dollar holdings of, the, of China in the United States is in there in China in the form of direct foreign investment. Yes. Uh, uh, and so tons of multinational companies have their assets in China, located in China. Not you China will not sit back. Mm. If, 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 if its assets are frozen by the United States, China is going to start freezing uh, or basically nationalizing uh, the, the 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 companies that are invested, the U.S. companies, multinationals that are invested in China. Mm. Not that really makes uh, uh, life much tougher for Definitely. the United States then, right, I mean, you know, probably the United States uh, uh, um, multinationals hmm. uh, are pretty powerful in, in the, politically also in the United States. So, so that's, that's going to be much tougher. So, it is really the country size, you know, in a, a large country can take action against small countries.
0: What is the other factor that makes dollar or what makes uh, United States still the be- most powerful economy in
1: the world. How integrated you are. In the US China case, the interests are both ways. Mm. Right? So so we, there are a lot of US interests in China. Here, mm. And and likewise there are a lot of Chinese interests in the United States. Mm. So each can really retaliate against the other. Now if the situation is 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 is, is asymmetric. Yeah that, let's say, that, 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 that India has a lot of interest, let's say, hypothetically, in the United States, but the United States doesn't have much interest in India.
0: Hmm.
1: Then it gives the United States, even if, even if India, I mean, India is not as large as China, obviously, we know that, but even if it, suppose it were uh, very large, but did not, uh, but, but, you know, the US did not have it, had many interest in the Indian the, in the economy, then it gives, gives the United States a bit more asymmetric power like mm. centuries because then we can't retaliate but yeah. normally this, this that's, that's unusual you know because if large countries in today's world mm. yeah. have interests mutual, mutual. You know,
0: in so this in this globalized world um especially the big economies they are so tied together that they can't really uh, take any radical measures against each other is that what you saying?
1: Very correct. Very correct. So, so, it's not the dollar, but it's the fact of size, you know. Yeah. And in the Russian case, look, you know, the two very large economies, mm-hmm. United States and Europe, or you can say European Union, they were on the same side. Yeah. And so, they both kind of, uh, but even then, don't forget, I mean, even then, because Russia is so large in energy sector, yes, it was not easy. I mean, you know, ultimately, they are all imported oil from, Continuing to import oil and gas from sure. Russia, right? so so at the end of the day, uh, uh, it's simply that Russia really needs that uh, uh, those dollars. But uh, uh, if, if, if if that were not the case, uh, Russia was in a position actually to also retaliate mm-hmm. through saying that well you know, I'm going to really cut cut back my exports of oil and gas to you. Yeah, right? and that 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 in a winter, uh, for for countries like Germany. Uh, would have been a very tough thing to, to, to face. Uh, so, so you know, there are limits to even what you can do to the smaller economies.
0: So, in a way, what you are saying is that the ongoing war in Ukraine uh, is not a massive cost for Russia. One, because the sanctions do not have the desired effect. And second, Russia uh, Russia is big in energy sector. And therefore, the West, the at least the Europe, um, is dependent on Russia for its oil, So, what we, in the end, the war uh, is economically not really bad for Russia. Is that Well, I would say it's
1: not bad. Obviously, it has had its cost, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and, and the GDP has declined uh, on a significant scale, It's not, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, it's a, it, if the, the, the goal was to triple, the Russian, Russian, economy. Russian economy to the point that they would think twice before continuing this war. Mm. I don't think that has happened. You know, they, they, they have managed to, I mean, they all have to face hardships mm. and there are many prosperous Russians who have kind of migrated out of Russia into mm. Turkey or some other neighboring mm. countries and so on. Uh, but nevertheless, I think... But what
0: know, is the cost for Europe?
1: Europe, the economically speaking, of course, you know, it's, it's the same cost, which the United States sort of also is the inflation, you know... Inflation? High, high energy prices.
0: High energy, energy prices. prices. And yes. also
1: food, you know, some of the wheat, the wheat uh, prices. Yeah, food prices, yeah. Prices. But of course, you know, the fallout on uh, some of the smaller countries...
0: Is bigger.
1: Yes, uh, particularly those that import uh, 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 grains, you know. Uh,
0: we... Saw Trump actually pushing uh, China on tariffs. And we, in the last ever since the Biden administration has taken over, we aren't hearing much about this. Has that trade war gone uh, to the backseat? And now, because other things have taken priority,
1: we're not hearing so much, but uh, we should look at. at From the prior history, Mm -hmm. Uh, if we go back during the Obama administration or even during George W. Bush's administration and all, uh, the dissatisfaction with China on trade front had been bipartisan. The only difference was that Trump acted on it. And once Trump had actually acted on it, uh, uh, the subsequent Democratic administration, the Biden administration that came to office, did not reverse anything uh, that Trump administration had done neither side has died down actually so the tariffs are very much where they are
0: coming back to india what are the areas which we should be concerned about in terms of international trade and also in terms of our domestic economy
1: we need to um, um, continue with the reforms so i think the government did take a uh, uh, good advantage of the of the uh, covid crisis uh, and it uh, you know often we just Rhetorically, say that uh, every crisis is an opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody takes advantage of it. But I think in this case, the government did take advantage, and a number of reforms were introduced. Labor laws were uh, uh, passed during this period. A uh, lot of the foreign direct investment was opened up, uh, including defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there we also had. The Uh, some the definitions of um, uh,
0: Although we did reduce our defense budget Budget is a separate separate issue issue. I am
1: referring to the fact that we opened to the foreign investment 100% foreign investment was opened up uh, during this period Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 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 Also I think we knocked down the uh, corporate profit tax rates Mm -hmm. Uh, So on manufacturing now it's about 17% Mm -hmm. on others it's about 25% Mm -hmm. So we are pretty much globally competitive there, uh, in terms of the taxation of uh, capital. Okay. Uh, so, so these are big things that got that done. Uh,
0: and what are the areas where we haven't been able
1: to do anything? Now, land markets in India remain very distorted. Uh, that's a tough area. The government, you know, in its first term, I tried to, to reform this Land Acquisition Act, and because it didn't have the works in Rajasova, and they had it. that reform didn't happen. And now, you know, that having tried once failed, it gets much harder for the government to take this up again. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as farm laws, you know, yes, once it, you have know, reversed it, um, uh, uh, you, you have to do it through the states now, you can't send them you know, again. So, so there are some setbacks with that have happened, but um, uh, um, uh, so land markets, I think is something we need to do, it's, it's largely a state subject, uh, mm. you know, the central government can do only so much. But there is something... So states will them. have to do it. States, yeah, I mean, what instrumentality you use and all You know, it gets... Whenever it, it, it it's state level, it's things don't not happen. Yeah, I mean,
0: political forces come into play. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, locally, local interests are powerful Yeah. So, so center sits a little far away. So it's a little easier for center to, to, to kind of distance itself from the vested interests. Yeah. For the states. And this is why also the farm reform, Actually, it's, it's a state subject. Yes. And for 17 mm-hmm. years, every government, you know, first the Rajpei government, then Manmohan Singh government, and then again Modi government had tried it in the state, mm. with the states. Mm. But within the states, the, the interest uh, the groups, which are very powerful, like these Mandis, yeah. they would basically, you know, block any reform. So, this is why the government said that, okay, you know, this is not working through this, so I am going to take the action. Mm-hmm. But of course, in the end, it can succeed. All mm-hmm. issues on financial markets, particularly banks. I think uh, uh, privatization has to happen. Uh, um, uh, both of the, lot of public sector enterprises. Mm-hmm. The government has announced a policy. Yes. Uh, and some of it is not happening. That also needs to happen in the banks. Okay. Uh, we have seen, you know, I mean, if if I put it dramatically, uh, in the last 10 years, the government has actually spent on recapitalizing these public sector banks Hmm. uh, uh, twice the amount that it had actually spent on Air India keeping it alive. There's one more, there's one more very important one to me, you know, I don't want to forget that. That's higher education. Yes. I think, you know, now on, on medical education, uh, uh, the Prime Minister, had, when I was at EPIO, had given to me to uh, replace the uh, Indian Medical Council Act uh, by a modern law. Okay. And which we successfully did. And uh, the result of it is that uh, now, we, as, we, as we said, you hear in Prime Minister's speeches themselves, uh, the expansion of medical education is not happening at breaking speed. Yeah. Uh, 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 and, you know, we also opened the door to uh, short courses, you know, something like what in the U.S. called the nurse practitioners. You need two-year courses which would allow the, you know, because a lot of our uh, providers in the rural areas and so forth are completely untrained. Now, the same thing has to happen in higher education. You see, we are operating under the University Grants Commission Act of 1956. Now, that act was, you know, modeled on the British system. Yeah. But the. The the British have gotten rid of their University grants Commission long back. Mm. Uh, They started reforming in the 1980s and all in all, there are very different governance regimes in place in the United Kingdom. I think we have done nothing, you know, and and so we need a new law. the new education policy, the NEP, does have a provision for a National uh, Higher Education Commission Act. Yeah. But nothing has happened. I think that you know, uh, that's so higher education, education. Yeah. so higher education is very important also. This, this NEP, the you know, education policy, says that there is a shortage of about one million teachers in our public schools, mm. you know. Now, Geeta Kendall has looked at this, so she uses the official data, mm. which her data um, by school, mm. so it's a school level data, which gives you how many students are there in each of these schools, how many teachers are there in each of these schools, Mm. right? And now, the norms of uh, how many uh, pupils per teacher, right, those come from the RTE, right, to Education, right? So, so she says that, okay, let's apply these norms exactly as written, even if I think they are not the right norms, but since those are the norms given, let's apply those. Mm. So, she finds that, look, you know, there are some schools where there is shortage, applying those norms. There are some schools where they have just the right number mm. and then there is also some schools where there is excess supply. Mm. There are more teachers than the norms mm. require. Yeah. And she says, look, you know, if you take these excess uh, teachers from schools where uh, there are more teachers than the norms require and we place them into the there is shortage, you take care of more than three-fourths of the problem.
0: Three fourths of the problem. Three fourths of the
1: problem. So, at the most, there is a quarter million left. There also she says that, look, one of the problems at the, in, in the enrollment, official enrollment numbers, is that everybody picks up the numbers. They, they kind of, you know, because what are the benefits, midday mm-hmm. Any other redistributions come in. That's for people.
0: Well, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I would have asked you more, but I think uh, you might be pressed for time. Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to further
1: conversations here.